know what the first rule of Fight Club is, right? You don't talk about Fight Club. I guess Miles Straw didn't hear about that one. Uh, welcome to Guarding the Corner. <laughs> I am James Mastrucci. As always laughing underneath me during the intro, it's Brian Fraley. Brian, not a great weekend for the Guardians in the in the Bronx. No, not the best. But yeah, those uh, those intros you do, I never am prepared for. I, they're <laughs> always a surprise, and they always get me going. So I appreciate it. I mean, you're welcome. I come up with them probably about like five, ten minutes before we go. I'm like, you know what? That's going to be good. <laughs> it's always good. But yeah, yeah. First rule about uh, first rule of Fight Club: don't talk about Fight Club. Miles Straw, um, he is all about talking about Fight Club. Uh, yeah, he is. Because uh, if you listen to the last episode, we were recording during Saturday's game, which meant we finished before the events of the final inning transpired, which included. Uh, Bob Gates, uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, the Yankees ended up walking off with a win, but before that, uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa drove a ball to left field, and Stephen Kwan ended up running into the wall, and he was down for a moment. Mm-hmm. And some of the, uh, you know, Bronx faithful decided to start saying shit at Stephen Kwan, and that did not sit well with Miles Straw. No, it did not sit well with him at all. And you know, this is we we talked about Miles Straw quite a bit, and you know what we like about the guy and. Um, it, it was right on character for him to go stick up for his teammates like that. Um, so, I mean, I, in that aspect of things, um, he's the ultimate teammate. You know, that's exactly what you want in that situation. When a guy goes down injured and people are being disrespectful to him, like, you, you want somebody to have your back, especially when it's a young guy like Quan. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you, know, know? you know, he's obviously someone who was kind of bothered by what they were saying to him. I don't know what they were saying to him. That hasn't been necessarily uh, revealed of what they were saying to Quan, But you can imagine some horrible things that happened to be sent uh, said to players like Quan or like uh, African-American players in the league. It's generally not good. <laughs> uh, no, it's not, definitely not, especially when, you know, a lot of alcohol is involved. It's later on in the game when people have had plenty of pops, you know, and... People say some awful shit, and from from what it seemed, you know, they obviously said something that went too far, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I thought Straw did a good job of sticking up for him, but not taking it too far. <laughs> like I'm glad that he didn't strike a fan or like pull somebody onto the field or anything like that. I, um, for a second, it looked like he was going to. <laughs> it did for a minute when he climbed the fence like that. I mean, he looked like Spider-Man out there. Um, I thought he might for a second. Um, I thought he might. But yeah, it, it's it was an ugly, ugly thing that happened, and then you know with the way the game ended and you know the final, final walk off hit happening right exactly in the same area you know that the fans and Miles Straw were getting into it at, mm-hmm. it was just like the perfect recipe for disaster, um, and so yeah, it, it, as soon as that walk off hit, you know when they knew it just everything started flying on the field. Um, you kind of could feel it coming, you know, it was Mm kind of weird. And, and, you know, I wasn't necessarily surprised that that's how the game ended, considering what happened literally moments before. But, you know, throwing trash onto the field, it's such an ugly look for any fan base, whoever does it. Especially, you know, in a winning scenario, like the Yankees won this game. You're throwing trash on the field of the Guardians players because the Yankees won? Yeah, that's the part that's really, you know, disgraceful. It's like, it's one thing if you lose, you know, but for you to, in a walk-off win, just have absolutely no class like that, it's ugly. 
Um, and it might, I was actually at Bottlegate, the, the Cleveland Browns game, mm-hmm. when this happened. And it, that was in a losing affair. Yeah. Um, but I was a kid, and you know, it was shocking being a kid and seeing that go on. It's like, you know, you, you don't really understand what's going on. And you could see some of the fans in the outfield, like, trying to protect their kids and mm-hmm. not let them see what was going on. And it's just not a good look for baseball. It's not a good look for New Yorkers. Um, yeah, it, it was a really, really ugly way to, uh, to end the game for sure. And, you know, you saw, uh, Josh Naylor deflected a couple of, uh, like full or like half full beer bottles coming towards, uh, Oscar Mercado as he kind of, uh, escorted him away from that situation. Cause it looked like Oscar Mercado was about to go, go, you know, fuck some people up. Uh, Oscar Mercado had a stone cold moment too. He caught a full 24 ounce beer, uh, in his left hand, like it was nothing. I don't know if you caught that. I did, you, yeah. He, yeah, the way he caught it, I was like, oh, my God, that's stone cold out there. Um, but, yeah, it, it could have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and then an umpire did end up getting struck in the back, you know, with, yeah. like, a full can. So, you know, people got hit. It could have got, you know, people could have got hurt. Luckily, nobody was seriously injured or anything like that. But, yeah, it was a really ugly scene and, and not good for – just not a good look for New York in general. Yeah, it took some of the Yankees players to come out and tell them to stop for them to actually stop throwing shit. And still, even when they did come out there, they still continued to throw stuff not at the Yankees players. But Yeah, it's important to say that, though. I'm glad that you brought that up. Like, you know, the Yankee captains did step up in that moment and go mm-hmm. out there and, and defend the Guardians players and tell people to chill, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that that image of the Guardians team walking back, you know, all – kind of arm in arm after that happened mm-hmm. um it, it feels like that's a moment that could that could really galvanize the team you know mm-hmm. and I, I was hoping it would lead to a win you know i really thought they were going to bounce back and win but uh unfortunately it didn't but uh put a pin in that moment though because you could tell these guys are really close and mm-hmm. uh, they really care about each other it, you really can and, and you know it, it... If it wasn't, you know, the actions of, you know, Straw and him sticking up for his teammates and, you know, he did a great job of explaining that in the post-game interview. If you haven't watched that, highly recommend watching him discuss what happened and, you mm-hmm. know, why he did what he did. Because, uh, you know, was he a little aggressive? Sure. But yeah, something course. something must have been said for him to react like that. You know what I mean? Because, you yeah. know, he said it himself, you know, say shit to me all you want. But, you like, they crossed the line, at least to Straw. And... yeah. Sticking up for his teammate. Yeah, and you got to remember too, like Quan's a rookie. He he's never been to Yankee Stadium, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, he's new to this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and you never know how a guy's going to react to that, and, and you know how he's going to handle it. And I think that had a lot to do with the way Straw reacted too. Whereas, like, if it was a veteran player out there, maybe he would have been like, eh, you know, it's okay, whatever. But, you know, he he stuck up for Quan because nobody really knew how Quan would handle that, you know. So. Mm-hmm. It was cool to see him stick up for him in that way. Yeah, and uh, so I don't know about you, but I'm waiting on the the Yankees fans started it shirt to get produced. Has that happened yet? It has to be <laughs> out there somewhere. I, I'm sure one of these Cleveland t-shirt companies has made it. I mean, we were within an hour of the, the Miles Garrett situation, and there are already the Pittsburgh started it shirts you know, yeah. on the internet. They're out there. I, I guarantee they're out there. There's got to be one out there by now. Uh, there's a, a lot of, I tell you what though, there's a lot of new Miles Straw fans that, you know, maybe didn't necessarily aren't too familiar with him, with him being one of the newer players on the team, you know, and let's be honest, attendance hasn't been great for the Guardians over the past couple of years. 
Um, so I think this is a good way for uh, Miles Straw to kind of introduce himself to to new Cleveland fans mm-hmm. um, because he's that kind of guy. He is about it at all times. Yeah, uh, you know what they say: death, taxes, Cleveland athletes named Miles getting in controversial <laughs> events at the end of ball games. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. Like it's it's such a random name, but here we are. Um, yeah, small world. But anyways, uh, what happened in this game? Class A blew the save. He came away with the loss there. But he did not necessarily look very good in that inning. No, he didn't look good at all. Um, he just, uh, yeah, the, the two earned runs, the blown save. Um, he did throw 21 pitches. Um, so he, you know. Guys were taking them deep into counts and getting hit, spraying the ball all over the field. And it, you could just tell that this one was going to end in a blown save. You could feel it from that first at bat, really. Mm-hmm. You could. And it was just – you can sense it. it. You can sense it sometimes. He, he, and that's, that's yeah, what it was. Didn't have it. And, and when you're a guy like Classe, too, that throws smoke like that, you know, if you're not hitting spots, like professional hitters are going to eat that up. Especially when you're dealing with a, a Yankees lineup. You know what I mean? Like, those guys are, are really going to take advantage of that. Um, so, yeah, when you're a guy who relies heavily on that fastball and kind of overpowering people, you really need to hit your spots. And he was not doing that. Um, yeah, yeah, they just, they really, I mean, made him look really bad this game. So, I, I know he's a young reliever. He's only 24 years old. Uh, mm-hmm. He's had better moments than what he's had so far early in the season. I know it's only six games, but right. when do you start to be like, this is a problem when it comes to class A? Because again, it's only six games. He appeared in 71 in last year. Okay. Right. You know, right. A, a lot larger sample size, a lot more games, but it, it seems part- like with the early performance being not quite what we've expected, it's, kind of concerning i mean chances are it's gonna even out because the the law of averages the law of sample sizes these numbers will go down yeah they're definitely gonna go down he's not gonna keep a 7.71 era throughout the rest of the season um but you know you're right i i think that part of the problem here with the class a situation is we just paid him you know we just paid him big Mm -hmm. um so you want him to to be successful in that role um so i think because of that we're kind of gonna have to you know, deal with him struggling through this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, like you said, it's early in the year. It's too early to really sound the alarms. Um, but one or two more blown saves, you know, and and looking the way that he looked like, you know, this particular outing, um, I, it's time to start, you know, having discussions. Like, you know, what do we do about this? Does he need, you know, does he need work in other innings? Do we need to move somebody else into the closer role? Um, but I, I don't think we're we're there quite yet. It's it's something to monitor. It's not time to yeah. to, igno- to press the panic button or even acknowledge no. that there is a panic button. You're just in a room and a chair, and there's stuff around you. Uh, yeah, it's a situation that uh, everybody's definitely thinking about. You know, it was big mm-hmm. news. It was big news that we came and we paid him, um, and for him to struggle, you know, early on like this, um, yeah, not the best. And and part of the reason that I think he struggled too, though, is you know. They're using them in the non-save situations too, and mm-hmm. you know we've already talked at length about you know the problem with that, and I think that that threw him off. You know, I think that when he came into these save situations, you know, getting hit in, in the earlier innings that he got work in, it was just like uh, I think it got to him in this game. 
I do too, and you know, still he is a reliever. He only has appeared in six games, four and two thirds of an inning uh, total so far. It's still very early. It still had the shortened spring training. There's still the lockout crap. So early on, we have seen a trend of some pitchers struggling. You know, yeah. So I'm gonna just chalk it up to that right now, but just something to be like, I'm gonna keep checking. I'm gonna check back on this in a couple weeks. See how things change. Yeah, I mean, he's, you said six, seven appearances, and he's already got two losses. So mm-hmm. um, that's definitely something to monitor. You know, one in, <laughs> one in three times that they march him out, he's getting the loss for the team, and that's not good. Um, so, yeah, if those numbers continue at that rate, then definitely start sounding the alarm. But I think you're right. Law of averages, I think this will kind of even itself out. Um, the more work he gets, the more comfortable he'll get. Um, and hopefully this was just, you know, a couple bad outings for him, and it's not going to be indicative of how he's going to perform for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, one final thing of note uh, from the game on Saturday, Austin Hedges hit his first home run of the year. Yes. It, it, <laughs> what a moment. And, and the great thing about Hedgie, too, is when when he hits a home run, man, he milks every single second of that trot around the base pass, so you really can't blame him. Especially with how much he struggled early on this year, like it, it was really, really nice to see him get that clutch hit in that moment. Uh, I wanted that to be the game winner so, so I, bad. I did too. Um, but yeah, that that was an awesome, awesome moment for Hedgie. Awesome moment for the team as a whole. Um, if you can get clutch at bats from guys like him late in games on the road in places like Yankee Stadium. Um, that's great, you know, so mm-hmm. he's, he's kind of heating up a little bit, you know, we'll talk more about him in the, the games to come, but, um, you know, he got on a little bit of a hit streak there, which was not something we expected to, uh, say an attachment to his name as hitting streak. Well, considering he's been, you know, living below the Mendoza line for a very long time, uh, you know, hitting streak isn't something that comes yeah. into describing his performance all that often. No, not not very often at all. Um, he's kind of a guy that we've just accepted. Like, hey, he's gonna hover somewhere around 195 to 210, <laughs> and uh, that's what we're gonna get from him. Uh, a lot of a lot of outs. You know, he's he's not not gonna produce much at the plate. He's pretty much a black hole in that lineup. Yeah. So, let's move on to Sunday's game because uh, I, I think everyone was hoping Saturday and the way things unfolded was the big bonding moment. They go, you know, rally and. You know, yep. just kind of come out all guns blazing. Fuck you. Fuck. Fuck the Bronx. Fuck the Yankees. And they got smoked ten to two. Uh, yeah, that did not happen. Um, <laughs> you know, I I just said too that moment of all those guys in the outfield. I I really thought like, man, we're gonna come out and kick these guys' ass next game. Um, and I it, it's interesting though because had Garrett Cole not pitched uh, pretty much lights out um now that we've had some of the video of of this game it it appears that he may have been using sticky substances and that could have something to do with the guardian struggle at the plate it it, it, it's a sticky substance possibly a foreign substance probably Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean uh just the, the video of him just the way he went around his pitching it was just like that's weird and you know just yeah that's just it was very repetitive motion. It was very much a routine type thing. And, you know, hey, I'm not someone who's going to be like, I know the exact routine of Garrett Cole for every start. But um, 
it stood out. It, it looked different. It was something different that we aren't used to seeing from him. Yeah, and considering how much Cole has struggled coming into this game, and all of a sudden the dudes like Houston Astros, uh, Garrett Cole again. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna throw up the red flag. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was untouchable this game, and he he did not look anything like that in his first uh, first couple outings for the Yankees. So. Um, what, what something's got to give here, you know. He had the, the nine Ks, um, and his stuff was moving. You know, it, it was moving. Um, so it, you you got to ask the question at this point when it's a guy that has had, you know, he's been very vocal about his use of sticky substances in the past, mm-hmm. and very vocal about him, you know, pitchers struggling when you take those away. And him not necessarily being for that. So if if ever there's a guy who's going to try to get around this rule, uh, Garrett Cole fits the bill to AT. I'm sure the the spin rate numbers are out for this. I just haven't located them or looked into them. You know, I have been busy the past day and a half or so. But besides that, um, it's it's just it's interesting to see just his complete flip. In performance and how he's done because you know you look last year when they cracked down on sticky stuff and spider tech specifically mm-hmm. all of his numbers trended downward uh in yes. terms of spin rate in terms of his overall you know just basic pitching lines they were not yeah. as good they were not as good it was clear that there was a correlation uh between that particular you know ban on substances and his pitching performances He's a guy that was directly affected by this more so than a lot of guys. Um, and, and, you know, when you know that about him and you see these strange repetitive motions to, you know, parts of the body we're not familiar with him touching repetitively and uh, you see discoloration on his pants and, you know, you, you got to ask the question. And I think it's more than fair that we're sitting here having the discussion because, uh, you know, he went out there and pitched six and two-thirds innings only gave up four hits, only walked one, and was pretty much untouchable. Yeah, like, not that I pay attention to, you know, where pitchers are, like, rubbing them, rubbing their hands on their jerseys uh, from every start, but uh, this is the first time that I've seen a pitcher, between every pitch, rub his hand on his ass over and over again, okay? The dude looked like he was going through Jason Kidd's free throw routine before he blew a kiss to the stands and drained a free oh throw. Oh my god, I, I wish you didn't remind me about that. I forgot <laughs> I forgot for a moment in time that he used to do that. Mm-hmm. God damn it, that, yeah, it really does remind me of that. Um, but yeah, when, when you're repetitively wiping underneath your right ass cheek, and there's discoloration in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, I think it's clear as day. I, I think that he was using something here. Um, I don't necessarily know what it was, um, but he was using something to get an edge. And I, yeah, like you said, you know, the spin rate numbers will tell the story, and I'm sure they're out there. Um, you know, if, if we took the time to pull them up, I, I would not be surprised if, um, you know, they stand out immediately. You know, I think he cheated is what I'm saying. You know, the, the long and the short of it is I think he was using his substance this game, and I think that's why he was so lights out. The, the weird thing to me, and it stood out even before I, I, I recognized and saw the other video uh, during this game, was in between every pitch he was blowing in his hand like it was cold outside. It was a 70-degree day. Right, yeah. And, and some guys, you, you know, they do blow in their hand every pitch, but – um, it's usually when it's a colder weather game and, you know, they're trying to stay warm. 
um, there was really no reason for him to be doing that. So yeah, that was eye opening as well. It's just, it's very just, I don't know. You, you, you see it, you, you look if at it. Looks it like, and... If it, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. <clears throat> yeah. That's, that's pretty much what we're coming down to here. When you think about it, it's, and there's the old saying too once a cheater always a cheater um i happen to think that that saying has a lot more truth in it than than lies and he's a guy that's cheated before so why wouldn't he do it again i mean it, it's a good point i mean why why wouldn't he do it again there's no reason not to do it again if you think about right. it right when you see the way that he struggled at the end of last season and you've seen the way that he struggled at the beginning of this season uh, yeah, why, why wouldn't he try to get an edge and try to get back on track? You know, if that's the type of type of thing that he's used to doing, that's what he's going to go back to. When you start getting uncomfortable, you go back to what's comfortable. And for him, what's comfortable is having the extra stick uh, when he's pitching. Basically, what someone says said is like they, they asked him a question about it, and he deflected by saying like, "Look, if someone's cheating, you'll know. Just check the spin rate numbers." That that that's the gist of the quote was like, I'm not saying somebody did or didn't, but if you do, the spin right numbers make it obvious. Yeah, this game this game pretty much stunk. Uh, yeah, we didn't do anything until the ninth inning, and it was garbage time. A lot of garbage time hits and runs in this game. Yeah, you know, great to see, you know, Andres Jimenez with a two RBI triple. Uh, Bobby Bradley did something. He went one for one with a run scored. Um, Incredible for him. You know. Then... Yeah, anytime you see Bobby Bradley coming in in a pitch hit situation, it's like, oh, shit. Um, but he, he did his job on this day, so at least he did something. Um, but, yeah, the, the only two runs that the Guardians put up on the board, were, it was garbage time. Like, we, we basically got shot out of this game. Yeah, and, you know, the, the combo of, you know, Garrett Cole, then Wandy Peralta, and... Uh... Mar- <laughs> Marinaccio? Yeah, Ron, Mar- Ron Marinaccio. Uh such a strong, strong Italian name that is. Yeah, so he was he was not good. Um, that's the no. only reason the Guardians got on the board is uh, uh, Ralph Macchio's cousin could not get the ball over the strike zone. <laughs> yeah, Ralph Macchio could not find the strike zone in this outing. Uh, two hits, two earned runs, and a walk. Um, so yeah, he he did not have his best performance in a non-save situation in the ninth. Yeah, that's the that's the only reason why they got on the board. They had the, their offense was not good this day, but you know we, we've said it before. We'll say it again. It's a it's a young team. It's in transition. It's usually mm-hmm. a feast or famine type offense, and that's what it is. And it was a very high emotion. Um, this game had more emotion going into it than a normal regular season game in April, mm-hmm. um, and and that can go either way for a young team. You know that that could spark them or that could really make guys you know shut down. And I think in this case, like some of the younger guys that like came into this game really pumped up and wanting to win, um, I, I think it affected them negatively. I'll say that. I, I mean, I, I agree. It seemed like there was a little bit more pressing in their approach. Yeah. Uh, they want they wanted to they wanted to shove it up the Yankees' ass. They wanted to to yep. you know hit, get hits off of Cole, but their over aggressive nature, you know, part of that due to their youth, led to them being shut out for eight innings. Um, that, that's exactly what I was going for. We kind of abandoned what our identity has been this year. Um, and I think the reason that that happened is the emotion that was going into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that guys were pressing, guys were swinging early in counts. 
uh, guys will swing it, you know, not their pitch, you know. Yeah. And you'd like to see um, a young team, you know, sit on a pitch they like uh, if they're in a hitter's count. And, and guys weren't even getting into hitter's counts in this game, so. So, you know, uh, I'll say this. If this game wasn't in New York, wasn't in the Bronx, if this was in Baltimore, I don't think the same thing happens uh, in regards yeah. to, uh, I guess, you know, the way that the stadium, the Bronx, and, you know, it was a full packed stadium. There's 39,000 people there on a Sunday afternoon. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was crowded. It, it was a, it was a high, high intensity matchup. Like I said, for, for the end of April, you're not used to seeing um, that kind of environment really. Yeah. And, and even in, uh, let's say if Camden Yards actually got a sellout that wasn't opening day, but I don't know if they got an opening day sellout, but that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> If they had a, a a rather full stadium, I still don't think it, you know, plays out like this because any Yankees fans are just a in New different York they're breed. they're a different breed. It, they're very they aggressive. Are. They are a different breed, and like the, the New York as a whole, it's an intimidating place to go as an athlete. You know, it's a very intimidating place to go. There's so much history there, um, and and yeah, like like you said, if they were at, if they were at Camden <laughs> against one of these Baltimore teams in front of a huge crowd. I don't think they would have been pressing as much. I don't think they would have felt as much pressure. Um, but being in New York, you know, in the Bronx, like, yeah, that's part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that it may be a little too much uh, emotion going into this game. Yeah, yeah, there was there was a lot of emotion here. Um, and unfortunately, it did not play out uh, for the Guardians. No. Um, but, but nice, nice to see them at least get something on the board in the ninth to to try to build momentum going into the next game, which didn't necessarily happen. But we'll get to that. Oh, oh, do you mean uh, last night's shutout that they managed to avoid on Sunday but couldn't on Monday? Uh, that's the one I'm referring to, the one that we waited up all night to watch. Oh man, I was tired as shit watching this game. Uh, I know. It, not only because the game was on late, I did a whole bunch of stuff yesterday, and by the time this game, I'm like, oh, jeez, this game. It, yeah, you had a really busy day yesterday. Usually there's a lot more discourse between <laughs> us the start of the games. Uh, so I, I knew you had a busy day. Yeah. Um, I, I, but, yeah, doesn't that suck when, like, it, it's like you finally get to kick back and you get to watch your favorite baseball team, and then they lay an egg like this? I mean, this this game was, was terrible. Uh, it was awful. They they only got three hits. They got shut down by Michael fucking Lorenzen. Okay. It, yeah. Do you know the last time he started a game was? No. When when is the last time he started a game? Two thousand fifteen. Two thousand and fifteen. Jesus. Two thousand fifteen. Yeah. yeah. This is a guy in a situation he hasn't been familiar with that we should have got to, and we did not. I mean, he's not particularly good. They've they've faced him before. <laughs> they've had a, a, some success against him in the past, but not, yeah, honestly, not Monday. James, like it, as bad as the offense was and as as lights out as he was, I didn't even think he had his best stuff on this night. Like he, he had four walks, you know, he only had three strikeouts. Like I don't think he looked all that great. I thought this was more the Guardians really stinking it up and uh, Lorenzen getting by on, on a on a less than perfect performance. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Let, let me clarify my statement. Start of the game as an actual start and not one of those bullpen opener bullshit things. Cause he's done that. Exactly. A, he's done that a handful of times, but uh, like start, start a game. He went six right. innings. Yeah. Yeah. He went six innings on us. 
Um, I did not expect that. Um, and again, a lot of that was um, abandoning the approach a little bit. Guys not going deep into counts. Um, guys being overly aggressive early in counts. Uh, and, you know, giving him giving him a break when he threw bad pitches. You, you know, guys were swinging at swinging and missing at bad pitches, you know, and, and you can't help a guy out who's in that situation, you know, and unfamiliar with it. Like you want to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I was disappointed to see that, you know, we really could not touch him. Um, and like I said, I, I, I didn't think anything he was doing was all that special. It, it really wasn't. And that's, that's the thing that sucks is because Bieber was out there. Bieber was doing, he was doing pretty damn good. It, it, even if, with his performance, if somehow the Guardians won, he would have came away with a quality start. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and he lost. You know, we've used the term before, he got DeGromed. Okay? Yep. He got yeah, DeGromed. He definitely got DeGromed. Uh, you know, um, of all people to, to get to Shane Bieber in this game, it was Taylor Ward. And I'm pretty I know. sure most people are like, who? <laughs> yeah. Taylor Ward. Not Shohei Otani. Not Mike Trout. Uh, yeah. Taylor Ward. Of all people, and he got to him not only once but twice uh, in this game. Yeah, in the fifth is, and the seventh. It's just that's pretty unheard of for um, for Bieber. Yeah, and you know, you, you look at I guess the differences in the lines. It's pretty much uh, that's but, it. That's it. The two board homers are the the only yeah. scores of the game. So you know, you you take out. Um, those two homers, you know, we're, we're looking at Mickey Mouse extra innings in Los Angeles. Yeah, because once the once both teams got to the bullpen, uh, neither team uh, threw a whole bunch of pitches from their bullpen arms. Uh, no. Trevor Steffen, just seven. Brian Shaw threw ten. Yep. Uh, Mayers threw eleven. Tapera, eight. Iglesias, seven. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of quick outs. A lot of, you know, guys swinging in early in counts and swinging at pitches they shouldn't be and. You know, the result of that is these really short, brief innings uh, from Stephen and Shaw. And, and like you said, Myers Tapera or Tapara, however you say it. Tapera. Tapera, yeah. Very, very short, quick innings from all of those relievers in this game. Yeah, uh, 193 combined pitches between Bieber and Lorenzen. 53 combined for the other five uh, arms in this game. Yeah, that's pretty unreal. That's just an insane number when you think about it. Yeah, it really is. Um, but yeah, no, nobody was particularly hot this game outside of Ward. Um, you know, Otani went 0 for 4. Trout had the one hit. Um, but yeah, he only went 1 for 4. So anytime you can keep those guys to uh, 1 for 8, that's huge. You know, mm-hmm. you think that that's going to give you a really good chance to win the game. But unfortunately, uh, the bats just did not show up for the Guardians. No, they didn't, and they only got a couple walks. Uh, 43 pitches, not 53, my bad, but 43 pitches. Um, mm-hmm. They got a handful of walks, a couple of hits, but like that's not going to do it. Uh, I mean, they, uh, the hits. Angels at least got eight hits. Yeah, three hits, and James, two of our hits came from a guy who'd never played a Major League Baseball game before. Yeah, shout out Richie Palacios. Uh, yeah, what pretty a Pretty impressive debut. Pretty impressive debut. Uh, two singles and three at-bats. Uh, his first major league at bat, he hits a, a nice single opposite field, mm-hmm. and and then he does the same thing uh, his next at bat opposite field base hit. Um, so outside of Palacios, the rookie in his first big league game ever, uh, Ahmed Rosario is the only one, other one to to get a hit this game. Mm-hmm. Everybody else over. Yeah, everyone else went 0 for 25. 
and it, it wasn't strikeouts either. It was just you know a lot of balls in play. It just um, yeah, nobody could nobody could hit for us this game. Yeah, that that's a problem. Oh, uh, for four with runners in scoring position. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the Angels were one for five. Yeah, and, and I mean some of this could be Palacios in his first game in the nine hole getting some good pitches to hit. Uh, yeah, like that's part of it, but it, it's really inexcusable when the only the only guy to show up for your offense on this particularly particular day uh, was the one with absolutely no experience. Um, you would have you would have wanted to see more from the veteran players on this team, and we didn't get anything from them. Nothing at all, but luckily there are three more games in this series, and we'll get to those in just a minute. But first, let's talk about uh, a big division-shaping injury, okay? Mm-hmm. Chicago White Sox are going to be without Eloy Jimenez for the next six to eight weeks. Man, they just cannot catch a break with injuries so far this season. They just, all their guys keep getting hurt. Yep. And, like, not just, like, you know, whoever. It, like, key players in their lineup. Yeah, absolutely. Important players. Um, players they were hoping to have big years this year. Um, and, and, really, it's uh, it's allowing the Guardians to hang around uh, in the division, you know, early in the year. Because, it, by all means, you know, with the Guardians being only 7-9, and nine, um, Chicago could have already been four or five games up on us. Yeah. And, you know, looking at their injuries, you know, it's – Eloy Jimenez, it's Yohan Mankata, it's uh, Luis Robert, Joe mm-hmm. Kelly, Lance Lynn. Yeah. Garrett Crochet is out for the year. Brutal. It's really brutal. So, you know, you, you, that's a that's a major, two months of the season, that's a lot. Yeah, it really is a lot. Um, the window is wide open right now for the Guardians to, to make some moves in the division. Speaking of the division, have you checked to see who's on top of the division right now? Is it not the Minnesota Twins? It's the Minnesota Twins. Unbelievable. Yeah. The Twins at 8-8. Eight and eight, uh, First place in the Central Division. Um, with a run differential of plus two. So oh, they're uh, barely, barely 500, run differential of plus two. And they are in first place with a game and a half lead on the White Sox. Uh, not what we expected 16 games into the season. Not at all. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at the White Sox schedule. They're up, it is not an easy schedule for them, okay? Uh, they start off with winnable games against the Royals, but the Royals are no walk in the park. Mm-hmm. All right. Then they play the Angels for four games. Cubs for two. Red Sox for three, Guardians for three, Yankees for four, Royals for four, Yankees for three, Boston for three, Cubs for two, and a three-game Toronto series brings us to the beginning of June. So mm. around the time when Jimenez probably will be making his return to the lineup. But even if you yeah. extend that out another week, it's three more games against the Rays and three against the Dodgers. Brutal. That is so, brutal. Yeah, very tough schedule. Uh, this is probably one of the parts of their season that they could not afford to have injuries like this. Um, and they're on a seven game losing streak. Uh, they, that's the highest, highest in the majors right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other team on a losing skid that's even similar, um, let's see, but the five game losing streak is the Nats. Um, but that's the Nationals. You know, we kind of expect that from them um, to, to have a seven game losing streak by the White Sox early in the year. 
uh, it's brutal and things are getting worse, you know? So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they come out in the next couple months because it could really derail their season. Yeah, they're in trouble. And, you know, the only reason they have the longest streak is somehow the Reds managed to win a game, snapping their yeah. losing streak. Which... Right, they were, they were on a tear losing games as well. I, I think it was 12 in a row. Yeah, 12 games in a row. They're now, uh, they've won that last game, and they are 3-13. and 13. Oof, that but, is brutal. Yeah, 3-13. and 13, They are currently the worst team in the majors uh, by three games. Which is it was a eleven game losing streak, uh, eleven game, but close enough. Might as well have been twelve. Uh, yeah, anytime you you reach double digits in a losing streak, it's bad. It's very it's very bad. So and the White Sox are creeping up on that. You know, they they have one more sweep in this next series, and they're at ten games in a row. So, um, yeah, that's something to definitely keep an eye on. Uh, and I hope it's something that you know that's gonna spark you know some motivation in the Guardians locker room. You know. Because these guys look at this stuff, you know, they, they know who's in the lead in the standings. And I'm sure that a lot of the players on the team are looking at this and looking at their chops um, because nobody else in this division is really in any position to, to capitalize on it. No, it's, it's really not. I mean, the, the twins are pretty much up there by default. Like that's it. Yeah. They're there by default. And neither. It's not like they're doing great. They're, you know, their run differentials like two. They okay. only have. Yeah, they only have 58 runs scored in 16 games. Mm-hmm. So they're not scoring a lot of runs. Um, pitching's been good. They've only gave up 56 runs, and that's really um, kind of the story of what's got them where they're at right now. Uh, but, yeah, they're on a four-game winning streak and just got hot at the right time and find themselves in first place. Yeah, I, I don't think but that's going to last That's for not going to that last, long. no. No, yeah. that one's not going to last. Uh, uh, I would say the, the early success we've seen – from the Guardians um, is, is much, has much more hope and promise um, than a Minnesota Twins uh, run this year, I would say. Yeah, the, the Twins are just a flawed team. Uh, I, they're, you never know when and for how long Byron Buxton's going to get hurt because mm-hmm. that dude is just a walking injury. Uh, you think Correa, You think there's a chance Correa could be one and done? Oh, yeah. There's, yeah, I, there's, I do too. There's a reason he signed the contract he did. It's not because he envisions himself uh, staking out a nice home in Minnesota <laughs> for three years, then, you know, signing an extension. It's yeah, if he yeah. plays good enough that he's going to get another big contract, he opts out of his deal and signs either a large contract in Minnesota, doubtful, mm-hmm. but probably a large contract with a different club. Yeah, I, I would imagine so too. Um, so I'll, and a lot of that will depend on uh, how their season ends up. But um, I'm with you. I do not think that they – I don't think they're going to finish the year 500 where they're at right now. That's for certain. Um, I, I, I would be surprised if the Guardians uh, didn't finish a few games in front of the Twins. Yeah, I, that's what I think ultimately happens. You know, I, I look at their roster. I look at some of their guys. Like, Chris Archer is not going to keep up his early season performance. Like, no. This, like, that's not real. Uh, Joe Ryan is whatever, pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Number one starter, Sonny Gray, that's just, that's hard to hear if you're a baseball fan. It really is. Number one starter, Sonny Gray. My goodness. Yeah. Like, is this 2015 and he's still on the A's? Is that what we're doing here? Yeah, the, it's bad. Um, Yeah, and that that's not going to hold. So it, that, it's not. That is not going to hold. Uh, you know, as the season goes on, someone's going to trade for Joe Smith just because he's a reliable reliever and he's got that funky delivery. He yeah, always has out. a job. 
shout out Joe Smith, uh, married to a friend of mine, Allie LaFour, so shout out to Joe. Uh, <laughs> good guy. All around good guy. Uh, but yeah, I could see that happening. That's funny that you brought him up. Uh, I mean, well, you know, he's been in Cleveland twice. How about a, how about a third go around? Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> My mom went to their wedding, actually. So yeah, they, they, There's actually some close ties to Joe Smith, so... Um, but yeah, there, there's not too much to be optimistic about in Minnesota. And, and I, I do think that the Korea deal is indicative of the fact that he, he doesn't want to be there long. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I think this is kind of a, a flash in the pan for them and we'll, we'll see them, uh, level out in the other direction. So, yeah. So coming into, uh, I guess Sunday night, we planned on watching this Brewers Phillies game when we were going to hopefully sit down and discuss, you know, a very exciting high-scoring game. Well, that didn't happen. Uh, no. Instead, the focus is on an interaction between Kyle Schwarber and Angel Hernandez. A reaction that all of Major League Baseball, I think, collectively uh, was feeling it needed to happen. <laughs> this was a moment that a lot of guys across the league, I think, were saying, thank you, Kyle. Um because he, he speaks for a lot of people right now when uh, when he says all of the things that he, you know, probably said to Angel Hernandez after that uh, strikeout. Because in this game, uh, like the umpire grading or oh, umpire auditor Twitter account, uh, here it is. Yeah. Uh, he was the lowest rated umpire on the day. He missed 19 calls and only had 85% of his uh, uh, ball strike calls correct. That's so bad. He rang up six batters on pitches that were outside the zone and called a strike to Gene Segura that missed inside by a season high 6.47 inches. Jesus Christ. He missed by half a foot. And I mean, uh, baseball's a game of inches when it comes to balls and strikes. Like, it's a game of inches. Six inches? Are you kidding me? That's not good. Yeah, and, you know, I'm... They're showing the replay here. Kyle Schwarber just completely giving it to Angel Hernandez. Like, being like, you miss right, you miss left, you miss high, you miss low. Like, this is completely unacceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he even said you're bad for them, too. He's like, you're bad for us, you're bad for them, you're bad for everybody. <laughs> and it, it was just, uh, I don't know. I, I I felt like that was such a cathartic moment for um, baseball fans everywhere because, like, everybody was thinking the same thing this entire night. Like, mm-hmm. What is this guy's problem? Um, and, and even the average baseball fan knows that he's not a good umpire, and that's, like, bad, you know? Mm-hmm. The the worst thing that can happen as an umpire is you become a, a household name, and mm-hmm. he is certainly that, um, and, and it's only getting worse. Um, I, I just don't know how they can justify putting this guy back there behind the plate uh, much longer. I, I don't get it. Like, you know, I've been super paying attention to, you know, baseball like a, a, a very intense rate probably the past five years or so. And mm-hmm. Angel Hernandez is someone who gets talked about all the time. Like, sure, they talked about, you know, Joe West and, you know, they talk about Phil Cuzzy every once in a while. And, you know, of course they talk about Jim Joyce back in the day. Okay. Mm-hmm. But combine them and you don't even get to Angel Hernandez. Like, that's how I, bad Hernandez was. The other one remotely close that gets you, like, at least 50% of the way, way there is Joe West. Yeah, I don't understand. Uh, I really don't understand why he he continues to go out there. It's like, 
I guess it's a little bit of like it being a boys club, you know, like uh, they have tenure kind of like professors at a university. Like, uh, I just don't understand it, though. Like, it, it, I, I think that this is really shining a light on how bad he's been. Um, but I mean, some of those calls were really impactful, you know, obviously mm-hmm. the one in the bottom of the ninth. Um, but there was also the one in the bottom of the fifth. Uh, there was one out and the base is loaded. And, and, you know, the first first ball was called a strike. And, you know, when you start a count 0 for 1 on a ball that was clearly you know, a ball, it, mm-hmm. it, it, that sets the table for the rest of that at bat. And as you know, they didn't, you know, nothing came of that inning for them at the plate. Um, so that was another really impactful, you know, call. And then later in the, the same at bat with the 1-0 call, he calls another strike, a ball. And it's like, what the hell is going on here? Uh, he's calling ball strikes. He's calling strikes balls, and, and is in the worst moments. And you can't have that. It's just, it's unacceptable. I mean, and I'll say this is like one of those moments that people use, like, give me the robo umps. But I'm like, you don't want the robo umps, um, right? I'm sorry, like. Sure, Angel Hernandez is bad, and you know a lot of umpires are not great. But robo umps to be calling strikes you don't think are strikes or haven't been called strikes in like decades. Right. Yeah, it's outrageous. Um, it, it, the the fact that Angel Hernandez is the main story of a game uh, where Eric Lauer had thirteen strikeouts that that means it's wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. It is wrong. And uh, uh, anyone uh, in the betting community, uh, Eric Lauer over under on strikeouts and next thing, take the under uh, because uh, of Angel Hernandez, A, being terrible. Yep. Uh, B, very unlikely I think he's going to be calling his next game. And uh, C, Eric Lauer uh, mm-hmm. coming into this game had a combined 10 in the previous two starts. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, yeah, this I think there's some correlation there. Yeah, Angel Hernandez uh, behind the plate. Eric Lauer's strike, strikeout rate increases and more than doubles. Ugh. Unbelievable. It nearly tripled. <laughs> wow, this is insane. The the more you read about his performance this game, the worse it gets. Oh, jeez. So, uh, any other uh, venting you'd like to get out about Angel Hernandez? No, I, I, I don't necessarily feel bad for him, though. He just seems like a guy that, like, revels in this. Does he not seem like he kind of gets off on this a little bit? A, a little bit. Like, at some I, point, you he, he you has to... You gotta stop smirking and laughing. It's like, he, he, you know what I mean? It's like, you know you suck at this point, like, and you're laughing in guy's face, and it's like, God, he's so smug. It's like, how can you be so smug when the entire world knows you're terrible at your job? He has to know that everyone knows that he's not good at this or at least thinks that he's not good at it. Like this isn't a surprise, right? Yeah. And and I'm not saying this is something that fans should do, but there was the video of like fans were waiting for him to leave the stadium so that they could just yell shit at him as he pulled out for the evening. Like there is a video of someone yelling at him when he was pulling out in his SUV for the night that clearly had waited for him to leave the stadium and yell that. Um, And it's just like, God, how is the story of Sunday Night Baseball this guy? It's just wild. Uh, let but, me put it to you this way. When you go to a baseball game and they're announcing the officiating umpire crew and they say Angel Hernandez's name and he gets audible boos yeah. for being the umpire before the game, you know it's you're insane. bad. That is insane. Yeah, the, this is something like 
I mean, would you think it's fair to say that refereeing, umpiring in general across American sports has been questionable at best? Like, that's kind of a sports-wide issue and not just a baseball issue. It is. It is. But but this is way more extreme. Like, that's that's the point I'm trying to make here is, like, well, I can't think of any NFL referee or NBA referee in the game right now who's this like this blatantly bad and in obvious ways. It, well, th- comparing this sport to other ones, you know, the, the decision of an umpire in every single pitch determines yeah. the outcome of the game. So he's much more impactful in that regard. Yeah. So it, it's a sport where it's more important to to be accurate if you're if you're an umpire and you're calling balls and strikes and he's just not that. So yeah, I think that you know that baseball has to do something about it. Um, and if they don't have anyone better to put in his place, then there's a bigger problem at hand here. There is. And, you know, it, it's not easy to be an umpire or referee and official. And I'm never going to suggest that it's easy, but I, I would say it's at it's least, a loveless job. It is. It is. I, I would say asking them to at least be adequate would be yeah. is a reasonable request. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a loveless job. It's not a job that a lot of people want. Um, but I don't feel bad for them. Like, come on. Like, they, they're not they're not blue-collar workers. Like, they're, these guys don't have a terrible gig. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it's part of the job. You have to be okay with criticism. Um, so, no, I don't feel bad for any of these guys getting called out. Yeah, as long as we don't have a, another Joe West trying to get, like, some armband solidarity movement for umpires going again. Right. Uh, that was God. one of the more ridiculous things that ever. It really was. Came out of nowhere. That's part of the problem too, though, with umpires and referees. Is like they they always go to bat for each other. You know, like they're never going to crit- criticize each other, and um, you know, it it enables they enable each other. You know, they like, do. It's like a codependent, toxic relationship with each other, where they just they just keep like they, they just keep co-signing each other's bullshit, and it's just creating a. An avalanche of shitty calls. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. an avalanche of shitty calls. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's it's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the best thing that I can say about uh, MLB umpiring right now. So, well, it, it's generally uh, not great. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you check out those the Twitter accounts like Umpire Audit, or I think there's like an Umpire Score one, which gives you a like a, a graphic if you're into that uh that one exists as well yeah uh but they're both informative and it, they do they do a very thankless job of you yeah. know putting together the information about the performance of an umpire in a baseball yeah. game you know about a thankless job it, yeah so uh shout out to those accounts that take the time to do that um, yeah but let's get into the final three games of the Guardians and Angels series. Uh, up first tonight, we have Tristan McKenzie taking the mound, facing Patrick Sandoval. And McKen- the Guardians McKenzie look to... looked good last time out. Yeah, the Guardians are going to win their second straight game. Uh, McKenzie did look good their, their last time out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, not uh, being able to, I guess... Split the first two games would be a big win for the yeah. Guardians. Um, not a lot of history between the two two teams. Uh, you know, they do play on the opposite sides of the country. But uh, McKenzie has struck out Shohei Otani three times in his career. Oh, in all three nice. at bats. 
That's impressive. Uh, uh, I, don't care, I don't care who you are. That's impressive. He struck out Brandon Marsh in both of his at-bats, Joe O'Dell in one of his two. Uh, Max Stasi is 0 for 3. Jared Walsh is 0 for 3 as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only guy in their lineup that has a hit is Jack Mayfield. He is yet to face Mike Trout or Anthony Rendon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think this matchup is favorable for the Guardians, and I, I think it's really important for them to try and bounce back and even up the series here. Uh, and, and anytime you've got a four-game series, you never want to go into game three, 0-2, oh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and knowing the best you can do is scrape up, you know, two wins and go 50-50. Um, but it's even more important too, though, because we're on a four-game losing streak, you know, and you don't want that streak to go to five. Um, and before you know it, five becomes six, six becomes seven, and you're sitting in the same position that the Chicago White Sox are in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is an, an important game. Um, I like this matchup. I hope that uh, McKenzie continues to have success over guys like Otani, and um, if he can, you know, put us in position to win. Hopefully, the bats show up. Yeah, bats would be great to show up. Uh, like I said, only a handful of experience before. Mercado, Ramirez, mm-hmm. and Rosario are all one for two against Sandoval. Naylor's 0 for 1, so is Straw. Framel Reyes 0 for 3 with two strikeouts and a walk. Yeah. So. I, I do want to bring this up real quick just because I'm looking at the, the results for the Guardians this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we started the year with two straight losses. Yeah. And, and then we go on a four-game winning streak. And then we go on a three-game losing streak. And then we go on a four-game winning streak. And now we find ourselves on a four-game losing streak. So it's just like we keep streaking one direction or another. Like, is Do you think this is anomalous, or do you think that that's part of the identity of this team is, like, we're really hot and cold? I think it's part of the identity of this team, honestly. They're just they're a very streaky team. Until they start splitting yep. games and trading wins and losses back and forth, uh, that's what I'm going to say because yeah. you, you look at the makeup of the team, they're, they're the youngest in baseball. We've said that before. You know this. Uh, mm. You know, you, you look at uh, how they perform. It's feast or famine. That's another trait of a young baseball team. They're either all yeah. hot or they're all ice cold. Yeah, And we, we've seen both. Yeah, we've seen both this year. It's a... Yeah, I just find that so interesting because it really like shines a light on what this team's identity is. Is they're very streaky, they're very hot and cold, um, and yeah, you you want to see the streak break uh, and, and them even up a series with the Angels instead of you know continuing to be you know feast or famine. We're either getting swept or we're sweeping, and you know I mean, you don't you don't want that to be the case for the entire season. I, I wouldn't hate a six game winning streak going into the series against San Diego. But, I wouldn't know. hate that one. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Um, um, but yeah, that you know, that's that's how this team is. We know how important a win, a bounce back win, can be because we've seen it set us off on these winning streaks. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if McKenzie goes out there, pitches well, and we get the win, um, you know, there's reason to be optimistic and and think that we can go on a little run here. Yeah, definitely, definitely a possibility. Uh, game two. This is probably the uh, the pitching matchup highlight here. Zach mm-hmm. Plesak versus Shohei Otani. Oof. Ouch. So, uh, Plesak, uh, Otani's two for four with a home run off of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, Rendon, one for five. Kurt Suzuki, one for two. Taylor Ward, one for five with a double. But Jared Walsh, 0 for six. Matt Duffy, 0 for two. He is yet to face Mike Trout. Mm. I mean, it's all right. Not- yeah, all right. Not the best. 
I mean, the the guy you expect to get you got you. Let's put it that way. A hundred percent. It's not like Kurt Suzuki's five for six with three bombs and two doubles, okay? Yeah, there's no shame in getting got by guys like that. That, those are the people you want to see be hot against you. you know, well, not necessarily want, but you'd rather see, you'd rather see it from him than a guy in the nine spot. Yeah, if you're if you're giving up bombs to to Austin Hedges, then you got <laughs> that, that's something you might want to circle that and might have an issue there. Yeah. So uh, looking at the other way here, uh, this is the wrong set of stats. Um, it is giving me. This is annoying. I'll just while you're while you're looking at that though, Otani's not off to the best start on the mound. Um, so if ever there was a time to face him, I think this is a good time to do so. Um, you know he's got the 4.4 ERA, so he's been human. He's got two losses on the year so far, um, and you know guys have hit him today, and that's good to see. Uh, so it's not like we're facing the lights out like Cy Young version of Shohei Otani that um, we've seen in the past. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was just I was looking at his. Uh, usually, I can just click on the uh, the bat versus pitch number on the ESPN website, but it brought up his batting stats versus the Cleveland uh, pitching ah, staff instead of. It's tricky when you got a guy that hits and pitches. You, they don't know where to put him. So it, it gave me the wrong set of numbers. So I do not have uh, Guardians' uh, batting performance against. Otani, but I don't know if he's ever pitched against them, so... Mm. I can't remember that. So, uh, I, I am going to Google that up right now. Uh, Stephen Kwan, day to day, do you think we see him back uh, in this game, or do you think he's going to be out for a little longer? Well, um, I think he might... I think he could come back tonight, mm-hmm. uh, only because... He, he missed the, the first game of the series. Right. And, and he was taken out halfway through. Okay, so in 2021, the Guardians faced Otani. They scored two runs on five hits in four and two-thirds innings, five strikeouts in that game. Okay. So not bad. Uh, not go. great. Not great. Not bad. Let me see. We did not face him in 2020. I don't know why I clicked on that, but... 2018, did we see him as a pitcher? We did not. So that was the only outing I can give you uh, who did anything right. <laughs> in that game. So that's the only game they've uh, faced him as a pitcher. So, yeah, so not much data here to go off of. No, it's it's a one-game sample size, which is... <laughs> yeah, so it, it really could go either way, you know, when you only have a one-game sample size. um. You know, sometimes you see hitters get the better end of a pitcher their first time meeting up, and sometimes it goes the other way. Uh, you know, there's times when the first time through the lineup, uh, guys look untouchable, and then the second time through, guys hit them. Um, mm-hmm. it, that goes vice versa, too. You know, I, I've seen that go the other way um, often as well. So, All right, so it looked like uh, Ramirez and Franmil Reyes both doubled in the first inning off of him to take a one nothing run. Let's see. That's good to see. Getting to him early. Yep. Um, oh, here we go. Jake Bowers home run off of Shohei hey, Otani. <laughs> we got a Jake Bowers home run reference. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, wow. so that was the, the last one. He also gave up a single to Ahmed Rosario. He walked Cesar Hernandez. Um, 
let's see. You have a ground rule double to Framiel Reyes earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. Let's see. He walked Jake Bowers earlier in the game. Yeah, so Jake Bowers just had his number. So this is the the Jake Bowers game is what we'll just call that. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> that. That might be the best game of his career. Honestly, it might be. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, I know. I, I was actually not being facetious there. That might be the best game of his career. <laughs> I mean, it. out of curiosity, I have to look now. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, uh, I don't remember him having a, a game that big. Uh, you know, Jake Bowers was uh, not particularly good. Uh, let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, the the Angels have looked good so far, though. 10-7. and seven. Um, you know, they're off to a pretty decent start. Um, they're a team that's been famous for uh, underperforming with star players, you know. And um, so, yeah, it's uh, they're off to a little bit of a good start, too. I think that they're going to make it at least interesting uh, in that division. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, that, let's just call it the best game of Jake Bowers' career because every other game he's homered in was the only game that he only hit he got in a game. So let's just call it best game of Jake Bowers' career is back in 2021 against the Angels, Leo Tani on the mound. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations, Jake Bowers. Well, maybe we can get uh, Owen Miller to uh, to replace his production there. Well, you know, Owen Miller is 10,000 times the batter that Jake Bowers is, so that's not That's bad. what I'm referring to. Yeah. So if, if we can get an outing like that from Bowers, we can get an outing like that from Miller. Yeah, so uh, series finale on Thursday, Cal Quantrill, Reed Detmers. Again, not a large sample size here. Uh, worth noting, Otani is one for two. Rendon is one for one. Uh, oh, Noah Syndergaard's one for two, but he's not going to be batting in this game. Uh, Jared Walsh, one for four with a double. That's really about it. Um, has not faced Mike Trout either. Reed Detmers has given up a home run to Jose Ramirez, who hasn't. Uh, a double to yeah, Oscar no Mercado. And uh, Ahmed Rosario's two for two. Miles Straw's one for three. Yeah. Owen Miller's one for two. There we go. Austin Hedges over two with a strikeout because Austin Hedges. <laughs> yeah, Reed, Reed Detmers has not been particularly sharp this year, too. He's 0-1 on the year with a 6.57 ERA. Um, he's got a 1.3 walks plus hits per inning pitch. Um, and in 12 and one-thirds innings of work, he's given up 12 hits and has four walks. Um, so, yeah, like guys have got to him. He hasn't looked great. Um, I, I really liked what we've seen from Cal Quantrill so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I like this matchup. I think that this is a favorable matchup for us, um, and it's definitely a very winnable game in this series. It, it's definitely winnable. You know, it, looking at just the 15 at-bats here, um, again, very small sample size, but would you like to venture a guess of what their team OPS is against Reed Zetmers in those at-bats? Can, and keep in mind, Ernie Clement, Austin Hedges, and Fran Reyes combined to go 0 for 5. Oof, goodness. Uh, let's see. Mercado? Mercado was one for one, but uh, did you want to venture a guess at their OPS? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were asking me who the best of the group was. Well, uh, Mercado was second, but <laughs> with the best of the group. Uh, I don't know. Is it like something ridiculous, like hovering around like one? It's over one. <laughs> it's over one? It's over one. Jesus Christ. <laughs> It is just under 1.4 at 1.396 team OPS. Oh, uh, my. Jose yeah. Ramirez led the way with a 4 OPS. 
Oh my god. Mercado had three. Ahmed Rosario had two. Uh, Owen Miller had a one. Those numbers are insane. Well, you know, again, they all were, were for like two for two or one for one. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, not a not a large sample size, but what what we have seen against them uh, has been very good. Um, so yeah, this is a game that you you want to circle this one on the schedule, and um, you hope that the bats can take advantage of a matchup like that. Yeah, you know, they, they just if sometimes it just takes a good track record, even if it is two at bats or you know three yeah. plate appearances. So it's just like oh, I've gotten hits off of you before. I I got this. It just it's just right. a little bit of a, a comforting factor that they have in the back of their mind. Yeah, and, and, you know, for a lefty, you know, he's not the most intimidating guy from the left side either. So guys that aren't particularly good against left-handers, um, you know, this isn't a very intimidating matchup. It's not. And, you know, I think that's a, a game that if they haven't started hitting in bunches, that's a game where they might be able to hit in bunches. Uh, I would agree with you there. Yeah, I think that this one's, this one's if you're if you're interested in playing the over on any games this series, um, I, I would see what the the Guardians over under is on run scored and maybe play the over for them. Yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting. But I'd have to I guess check that out on Thursday. When I bet it's like four point five five runs. Yeah, uh, probably. Uh, total being around seven point five eight point five. I don't know. Or I mean, for both teams, probably around eight. But yeah, we'll see. we'll see if uh, the Guardians bats get warm up and get on a roll. It might juice it up a little bit. Uh, that yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, always got to pay attention with Vegas and those lines because you know yeah. they can always get you. But speaking of trying to get you, uh, trivia time to trivia close out time. this episode. Let's uh, do it. I've got some good stuff for you, but uh, you start this time. I've got one for you. I've got one. I got one good one. That's all I got for you this time. Oh, okay, but cool. It's a good one. Okay, hit me. Who is the only player in baseball history? hit a walk-off home run off a of Nolan Ryan. Oh. Because that's a tough one because it's got to be a walk-off home run. He's got to be in the ninth inning. So, mm. or later. Mm. That's a really tough question. Only So only one player has ever done it. Correct. Jeez. Let's see. I'm going to throw a name out there. That brought we brought up recently was it Daryl Strawberry? It was not Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> I'll give uh, you the. Do you want to know the answer or do you want another guess? Um, am, am I hot, cold, far, far from? Uh, the time player? the time frame is about right of when Daryl Strawberry would have been like at the peak of his powers. Yeah, uh, but it's Tony Gwynn. No, it's not Tony Gwynn. Damn. Uh, okay. I believe you have the franchise right though because he was a he was a player for the Padres at the time. It's the one, the only, the Hall of Fame manager to be Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy's the only player to ever <laughs> hit a walk-off homer. That's a really good trivia question. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, that's a really good one. You, you would have expected it to be one of the big names of the era. That's where I was kind of going with the Daryl Strawberry and mm -hmm. Gwynn, but um, yeah, that's a good one. Um, let's see if I got any that are as good as that. Who was the only player in MLB history to win Rookie of the Year, MVP, and a Triple Crown? There's only been one player to ever do it. So Rookie of the Year, MVP, Triple Crown. Ooh. <clears throat> I don't know if Miguel Cabrera won Rookie of the Year. 
That's the only thing. That's the only thing keeping me from saying Miguel Cabrera is I'm not mm-hmm. positive whether or not he won Rookie of the Year. The hell with it, Miguel Cabrera. It is not ah. Miguel Cabrera. That was a good guess. Yeah, a good guess. Because I know he had um, two of them. Uh, my other uh, guess is going to be Carl Yastrzemski. Not Carl Yastrzemski. It is Hall of Fame outfielder Frank Robinson. Oh, okay. Yeah, so older. Throwback. This is yeah. a throwback one. Um, let's see. I can ask you a more recent one. I had another good one here. Okay, here's one that's a little tricky. The most prolific base stealer of all time, obviously Ricky Henderson. Mm-hmm. Um, who has the record for the most times being caught stealing in Ooh. their career? Most times being caught stealing. That's a that's a tough one. And he also holds the single season record. So for most record, times caught stealing. Most times caught stealing in a single season and for a career. Juan Pierre. Nope. And this is a trick question. You're not going to get it. Uh, it is in fact Ricky Henderson. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I started the question with Ricky Anderson is the most prolific base dealer of all time. Um, no, but I, I got a couple other ones, but I'm going to save them um, for a later episode. Uh, that, that was a good one. Nice little trick question there. I'm like, maybe it's Ricky Henderson, but I'm like, you know what? Like, Juan Pierre's like stole a ton of bases, and I'm sure he got caught a ton too. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, oh, I, I've got uh, one more quick one. This is the pitching one I was trying to find. Uh, do you know who the the inventor of the fork ball is? He also has the record for highest win loss percentage in a single season. For the inventor of the fork ball. First pitcher to throw a fork ball also holds the single season record for highest win percentage for a pitcher. Uh, or I'm sorry, for a pitcher, yeah. So starter, reliever, doesn't matter. Highest win percentage. For a career or a season? Uh, single season. Single season? Man. It's the same player. Yeah, the same player yeah. holds both those. Jeez. I'm trying to think of when the forkball came to play. This is a really hard one. That's why I added the forkball um, thing as a, a helper. Can you give me like a decade? I'll give you the team, Pittsburgh Pirates. Ooh. And old, old. It's older. Man. We'll go 50s to 70s. Oh, shit. God, you stumped me on this one, honestly. Okay, so this was Roy Face of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Never would have guessed him. He went 18-1 and on the season, but this is the fun part of this trivia question. All of his wins came as a reliever. (laughs) Oh, man. So He went 18-1, and which translates to a .947 winning percentage, the highest of all time in a single season for a pitcher, and it came as a reliever that year. So pretty much how the Pirates are getting all their wins this year by relievers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Is that what inspired this question? Yeah, yeah. So I, these were all like curveball tricky questions this week. But Those... next week I'll come with some more standard ones. But they were good. I mean, yeah. You know, I, I have to make them tough with you, James. And and for those of, who are only now listening, um, anyone who's listened to our other show, so what's the catch? Knows that you're the tri- trivia guru. So if people are, if people are like, oh God, that's just cruel what you just did to them. No, it's really not. It, it's really not. You have, I have to. to. 
I have, have to. to try and slump them. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm surprised that uh, surprised you didn't get any of those. I thought you'd get at least one. Well, if they were t- see, I, I was thinking Ricky Henderson, but I wasn't going to think it was Ricky Henderson. So that's what I went with Juan Pierre, who uh, was really good guess, really I, really good because he got caught stealing a ton. Because he mm-hmm. he's just basically just given free pass to go, but his uh, season high and stole uh, getting caught almost twenty four. Where... Yeah, Henderson got caught stealing forty two times in nineteen eighty two. Yeah, it's uh, a bit more palatable when he gets one hundred and thirty you know, stolen yeah, bases. Exactly. Exactly. When you're a guy like him, you know you, you can get away with getting caught a few times. Yeah, and he did. But uh, I, I do like the the trick question. I do like the. Uh, Near impossible pirates one. Uh, yes, I know that you're really into like pitching history in terms of like different, you know, like little stuff like that. That's yeah. why I thought that was that was a good ball, one. Yeah, I thought the fourth ball clue might be the one for you. I thought you'd be like, oh yeah, I remember reading this in a book somewhere. Uh, yeah, sure. I just gotta learn more about my fifties to seventies Pittsburgh Pirates <laughs> trivia. <laughs> All right, well next. Uh, Next week's trivia, I'll, I'll make sure that it's 2002 current. Okay, maybe maybe I'll get a couple this time. <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple good ones here that we can use next week. So. I mean, I didn't exactly give you a layup with the, the Bruce Bochy question. but No, not a layup, but it was much easier than the ones I asked you. <laughs> but with that, just a quick reminder to uh, like, comment, share, subscribe, tell your friends and family. If you don't, it's stealing. This podcast is available on... Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, Podchaser, TuneIn, and ThisIsBelieveOne.com. Yeah, great show, James. It's been fun as always, and we will see you guys next time. And hopefully we'll be talking about some Guardians wins next time. Uh, Yeah, hopefully we come back with some good news.